Hey, it's Melvin, one of your friendly neighborhood podcast hosts. Whether it's your first time tuning in or you're a longtime listener, consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. Reviews are the lifeblood of the podcast world, so if you want to help us out, it'll take only a moment of your time. Otherwise, we hope you enjoy the show. You're listening to Cinematic Doctrine. Hey guys, if you just pressed play, uh, you just missed something like, I guess, 50 minutes. We were not intending to be 50 minutes, but it just keeps getting longer. These Patreon supporters, man, you get a lot of extra content. But I watched my first full three hours of the WWE. It was a Money in the Bank uh, from, I guess, July 2nd or something like that. I don't know when it was. It was a rerun. It was Saturday. Um, And uh, it was fascinating. So Dan was able to ask me questions about my experience. I told him all about it. Uh, We also have a brief, like, five, eight-minute section where we just talk about Rick Warren. Not necessarily about (laughs) what he said at the SBC. He's my favorite wrestler, Rick, Rick Warren. Um, I wonder what his outfit would be, what he would choose to wear. A lot of glitz and glamour, I'm sure. But um, talked about that a little bit, most, mostly about his book, um, Purpose Driven Life, and, and how I, <laughs> I didn't want to read it. I, I have not read it yet because uh, how it starts, you get to hear a bit about that. But mostly we talked about wrestling and kind of like the me asking a couple of questions about like history. Most importantly, how do I watch it? Because Peacock is a mess. Dan kind of just saying how the previous service was better. It's just a, uh, some really fun early stuff. And uh, just uh, if you go support the Patreon, $3 a month, you get access to all kinds of stuff like this. Pretty much every episode at this point now starts with us telling you what you've missed. And it's all pretty fun stuff. Uh, probably some of the funniest stuff. And if you're a fan of wrestling, our last episode we did was uh, us talking about Vince McMahon uh, and some other stuff. So more wrestling content. So, uh, yeah, like I said, head on over to the Cinematic Doctrine Patreon. You can get access to it in the show notes. There's a link for it. $3 a month. That's the lowest tier. You can support higher if you want. If we get to certain tiers, I believe it's $150 a month. We'll do an episode, a public episode on God's Not Dead. Pretty much the whole series where there are milestones we reach. We'll do the next movie and we'll pretty much do like a real We're just going to keep dangling that carrot, baby. Yeah, and I, I'm excited to talk about it. We might treat it like we did the Dear Evan Hansen, where it's like a really long series <laughs> talking about it. Uh, definitely worth talking about because uh, those movies are crazy. Uh, yeah. Who knows? And if you we'll don't subscribe, we'll just keep making episodes on Tickled. That's yeah, right. We'll make more again. episodes on weird <laughs> fetishes that are not super explicit, but definitely make men uncomfortable, which. Man, that was a great episode, but all right. Anyways, so yeah, like I said, <laughs> head on over to Patreon. $3 a month, you get access to stuff. Yeah. But for this And right episode, now on Twitter, vote. Do you oh, want Melvin right. and Dan to do a wrestling podcast? My vote is yes. I think it'd be fun. Uh-huh. Also, when does our Stranger Things giveaway end? Uh, the 8th. I guess that's you heard a clip about that in the beginning of this episode, but the 8th of this month, so in three days by the time this episode goes online, uh, head on over to Twitter. Uh, the, the pinned post is a Patreon, or I'm sorry, the pinned post is a uh, a giveaway post where if you uh, like and retweet and then follow the Cinedoc, it's at Cinedoctrine, but the Cinemac Doctrine podcast, you get entered to win a the first season of Stranger Things on Blu-ray. It's a really cool VHS-themed hard copy, official copy of it. And so it's uh, pretty exciting. And if you did not know this, the Duffer brothers like to George Lucas scenes. Uh, They update visual effects, but they also sometimes cut content, not 
anything pivotal. Um, mostly, basically, in season four, there's a mention of people forgetting Will's birthday. But in season two, they actually canonize Will's birthday as a different date, not tor- around uh, the time that they talk about in season four. So they actually went back to season two where they say it and just cut the line because it didn't really affect the plot, doesn't affect pacing. But apparently they do that all the time to kind of clean things up. And uh, you wouldn't know it because uh, it's not as egregious as George Lucas literally making CG animals walk in front of characters and just make scenes look yeah, worse. Adding more rocks. I know it's that? really stupid stuff. Um, but uh, they do do that. And you, they didn't, you know, update Blu-rays, which actually I think you can do. I don't know if you knew this, but you can update a Blu-ray to have different content but they have not done it with these so if you want to win uh for free one of three copies because there will be three winners head on over to the twitter and you can check it out but enough call to action because uh, you'll definitely be getting one a little later we are here to officially talk about stranger things season four if you do support on patreon you've heard a little bit of us talking about that with our stranger things one through three retrospective of course we talked about it when only seven episodes were out now all nine are out which are essentially 12 episodes with how long episodes uh eight and nine are but uh i guess dad do you want to introduce season four officially and then we'll get into this so the story so far so last time on dragon ball z um the 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 stranger things children have all dispersed across the land uh several of them are going to high school with lucas falling in with the popular kids and of course uh and here's the tough part me trying to remember all the names of these darn kids with Dustin and ooh, what's the other kid's name? You talking about Eddie or Mike or was it Mike? No, Mike is Mike. <laughs> yes, so so yeah, Dustin and Mike help, fell in with the Hellfire Club, which is basically a group of people like D and D. However, there is a new player in town from the Upside Down, the titular Vecna, who is calling away people with the sound of a clock ticking. Uh, not or gonga going off so and however the way to avoid being ripped apart turned inside out and have your links snapped by him they look amazing you have to, your favorite song can pull you away uh, while this is also happening 11 and will byers have moved away 11 is not fitting in well at high school and is being horrifically bullied by some of the meanest school bullies in the world however a, a uh, following her giving up her powers in the last season a government agency wants to get uh, help her get her powers back because they fear a greater threat is coming. Also going on, Hopper is currently in Russia in a Russian prison and is attempting to escape. He's sending messages to Brett Gelman and Winona Ryder who are going off to try and get him back because, and it turns out that the Russians have some of those creatures from the upside down that they're keeping awesome. and feeding. It's cool stuff. And if it sounds like a lot of things are going on, a lot of things are going on. However, I think they handle all the different plot lines well. All the different characters are still interesting, engaging. I mentioned this in our previous episode, but one of the good things about Stranger Things is that everyone has something to do. Yes. Uh, granted, some things are more interesting than others. I found myself really becoming less and less interested in all the Russia stuff as the season went on, as all the stuff with Vecna and the kids is much more interesting. Uh, you have Steve Harrington and Maya Hawk trying to... Uh, solve the mystery of these murders as everyone thinks it's Eddie, the 20 year old high school student who did it, but they don't believe it is as the murders are vaguely reminiscent of a killer from the past. And it turns out everything kind of ties together where Vecna is number two, who was one of the previous uh, other MK ultra patients who also as a child killed his father. 
And Eleven is the one who defeated him back in the day, and he sent him to the Upside Down. It turns out he's the guy in the Upside Down. Yada, yada, yada. All this stuff comes together in a very good soup. And uh, I will say that the final two episodes of this season really wrap up the story really well while leaving things open for the end. You get a big gosh darn finale. Uh, as Melvin and I predicted, there was this this season's version of the fan favorite character who dies horrifically with and a twist. every time, every time, but every time. this time they have a nice twist on it. And even now, as I'm saying, as I'm talking, there's different plot lines. I'm not mentioning there's a whole satanic panic plot line involving uh, the jock high school student who the instant he was on screen, my wife was like, I don't like that guy. <laughs> that, that, that feeling permeated throughout the season. There's stuff where uh, Will Byers very drawn out, slow coming out story uh, gets another wrinkle. Um, there's all kinds of stuff going on here, but it all feeds into each other really well. All of the character stuff is quite strong. All of the various plot lines do intersect in a way that's relatively satisfying. Again, the Russian stuff is kind of eh. uh However, I find that the entire Stranger Things package is really just wonderful. This new season is the strongest season since the first season with an extremely compelling central villain in Vecna, played wonderfully by Jamie Campbell Bauer. Uh, I was Millie Bobby Brown just continues to be a tremendous actor. She yes. blows all the other kid actors out of the water. When she finally connects back with Hopper, it's great stuff. When she finally yes. sees Mike again, it's great stuff. She gets so many high points. And the hidden secret is um, the actor that plays Max, uh, uh, Sadie Sink. She's yes. really good in this. So Yes. And of course, the fan favorite characters, the Stranger Things knows how to utilize them where they never overexpose them. The Steve Harrington, Robin stuff is really great. And obviously, the fans really like it. Uh, also, I gotta say, secretly, Nancy Wheeler has been getting low-key great character development consistently like she continues to evolve as a character she grows more and more capable and dependent uh they don't girl boss her where like in the second episode of the first season she's fighting people she becomes more and more capable as time goes on by the end where she's getting to blow people over the shotgun it feels very natural uh i quite enjoyed this i watched it at my in-laws house with air conditioning on with cats surrounding me it was great experience overall um I, I mean, I don't need to sell you on Stranger Things. If you're listening to this, you probably already like Stranger Things. If you have not heard of Stranger Things, um, you are lying. <laughs> I don't know if there's yes. anyone left on planet Earth who has not. Yeah. Uh, I The two and a half hours actually went by pretty quickly for me. I was worried that this would yes. be drawn out and excessive, and it did not. So thank you for listening to my rambly attempt to sum up nine episodes of television all in one go. But it's quite good. Uh, Melvin, what did you think of Stranger Things Season 2, Volume 2, plus Stranger Things Season for volume one and i might just say season four volume two what do you think of the recent two episodes of stranger things <laughs> well for the whole season i really enjoyed it um i liked that it kind of so season three becomes more poppy and adventure and i would almost say like i talked about with halo indiana jonesy more less like there's less threat even though there's more villains i felt like based on the tone and the way they presented that season the color correction is brighter it feels like it's shot on film, even though it's definitely not. Um, and uh, yeah, so season three, being a really well-made produced season, it kind of just felt like a different tone from season one and two, which was necessary. Season two felt too much like season one at times. Uh, it really is just Will Byers is missing, even though he's present and gets to act more. So like it, uh, 
it was nice. And then season four returns right back to the same color grading and uh, kind of tone as the previous as, as seasons one and two, but with more threat involved because each season season one has no real fatal threat going on. It's just a missing child, which of course is bad. But the the real like crux of it is the mystery of it, and that's what makes everything threatening. Season two, at some point, you realize that the mind flayer is not threatening at all. And then season three is pretty violent and like has a pretty threatening villain. But again, it's more of a mystery, especially with the Russian stuff than anything. And then this season brings in much needed threat and scare as Vecna immediately kills somebody very horrifically. And it's and is also not a CG villain. And so that brings in a lot more sense of presence and also just more fun because it's more performance and more excitement. I mean, they even, even his face, they still left space for him to still react and emote, which is really important for wearing a, a, uh, you know, prosthetic face and outfit. So that was all really, really enjoyable and fun. Uh, They did the Davy Jones thing with Pirates of the Caribbean, where they left enough, uh, where it was a real suit. And then it was cleaned up with CG to make it look more real and give it more of that fantastical aspect to it, which grounds it more, makes it feel more present and makes the CG of him feel more threatening and and authentic. So uh, that was very much appreciated. Plus, the mystery of it was really great, too. From season one, the concept of the upside down has always made me go like, how does it change? Do you go to sleep in the upside down and wake up and the whole world has changed? But what if two people are there? Then what if one person stays awake and the other one stays asleep? So do cars and stuff relocate? How how much of an upside down is it? Does it have an ending? Does it keep going? Is it locational? Could I go to Russia in the upside down and then use it as a portal to transfer through locations? Um, this season resolves a bit of that and not resolves, quote unquote, but they give clues to assert why it's, Hawkins, where it's setting as stuff like that, which was all really great. Uh, and I appreciate it because Stranger Things is so spe- specific. If they leave things open to interpretation, you know, it's on purpose and not just a writing gimmick to get past something. And the, the Upside Down had always been something where I felt like I, I mentioned it all the time. Shows and stories have like a check mark system, a strike system. And once you use enough strikes, at some point you've gone beyond my ability to, to believe in it. And the Upside Down was always one where I was like, everything makes sense except for the concept of the Upside Down. Um, Because if someone's driving a car, does the car just go and move in the Upside Down? This gives some clarity to that, which I quite enjoyed. uh, Because it's just, I want to know more about how the world functions. Because the more rules there are, the more you can break. And then the more frightening the show Mm. can be. And Mm. uh, that's why rules work. Uh, If you've ever played horror video games the best scary sequences are when they break rules are when they play with rules. Um, you've gotten so conditioned into running a circuit because most maps are just different layouts of circuits that when you introduce something new, you've changed the rules and I have to manage how I handle it. The same thing happens with the movie. You're learning rules and you don't know it, but you did. That's why we talked about in the season one through three retrospective, why episode seven, it falls apart, not just as a narrative, but even the rules you've been conditioned to have, just fall apart, fall apart. So, you know, go back to that episode to kind of hear about that. But, um, I liked Vecna. He was a cool guy. He was, I would go out and get coffee with him after (laughs) he kills me. He's a pretty cool villain. (laughs) Um, it's nice to have a, I, I also liked his quote unquote origin story, not just what we learned by episode seven in the first volume, but the mystery of the world that he gets cast into was awesome. Awesome. Awesome visuals. Very much like Prometheus, the opening to Prometheus, uh, I don't know if you felt that way too. I 
I hmm. kind of like, I didn't clap, but I cheered when it was like the mind flayer got uh, back into it again. Cause the mind flayer gets, I I've said this in the other episodes too, but if an episode starts out bad, I'm sorry, if a character starts out bad, they're usually rehabilitated into something cool. And the mind flayer in season two isn't really threatening. He is annoying. He's a hurdle for characters to get over, but he's not really threatening. And then season three, they rehabilitate the mind flayer into just a horrible, horrifying monster um, that is just built up of bones and muscles. It's really cool. And uh, to have him essentially be like this otherworldly, horrible thing that is also like they theorize in the beginning of the season that the that Vecna is essentially going to be the the mage that that the mind flayer is using in his party, quote unquote, to target Hawkins and to target these characters. And that ends up being basically true. And I liked how they revealed all that. And that was really cool. Uh, it made the other world feel really exciting. It means the upside down, what we learned about it is important, but there's more. Like there's something else. Right, like right. this world that he's been cast into is real. And I even thought by the time by the time volume one ended, I was like, man, so I guess did demogorgons exist before? Yes, they did. <laughs> so they just lived on this horrible inhumane planet that's just like just the worst and um as as um as one or henry or vecna is waxing poetic about this world being untouched by humanity and how it's wonderful and beautiful it's like no it's not it looks horrible it looks like it's a terrible place to live what yeah. other monstrosities are there they, they do a good job of answering questions without wrapping everything up too much yes. so like you feel like you've learned something and they, but they haven't given away all of the mystery and magic yet. It's like when you yeah. ask a question, they gave you a piece of paper that has the answer, but then you flip the paper over and there's like doodles and scribbles and you go, what are those though? <laughs> and you got to wait till you get the next paper, which is good mystery. That's that's what you got to keep doing. This is yeah. why in horror movies, when they, they have a mystery in the beginning, who's the villain? What's their theory or their existence? Or whatever. But then they develop it too far that they just spoil and take the magic away. But when you do that, if you bring in more mystery, it makes it more compelling. It doesn't need to be sequel bait. It just becomes more interesting. And so uh, they they always do this with the show. Um, now, unlike the other seasons, season four ends in a way that's very clearly set up for season five, whereas the other seasons really wrap up their stories, tie them with a bow, and then give you one little crumb that, that wants you to come back, season one being the slug Season two being uh, the mind flayers there at the upside down, clearly aware of what's happening in the in Hawkins. Season three, um, man, what was season three? Season three sort of built up, um, had the 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 cutscene at the end of the credits that kind of built up that there's stuff going on in Russia with the Demogorgon. Uh, had the illusion that Hopper may still be alive, but you don't know which Americans locked up. Um, and also they do kind of tease some satanic panic stuff as a tonal pitch for the next season. Um, season four, it's just, it literally is, nope, there's more. And it's a very build, big buildup. Now I saw an interview that said um, that they, that the Duffer brothers essentially built out a whole series with the show. Whether or not that's true after season one, I don't know. Obviously content creators always have ideas for ne- more content after a first season or after a first movie. Uh, but they said by the time they finished season four, writing season four, they realized there was just more content they couldn't fit in. And I will say, although I liked the last two episodes, it did feel like there was more that was not put into it. In fact, season four, episode nine, despite being two and a half hours, felt like the middle point of a movie where everyone fails and then they have yes. to build back up. Yeah, yeah. It did not feel like the climax I was expecting it to be in that way. 
Um, I will say fan theory wise, I really was hoping to see a fight um, of them defending the house from the jocks of like them trying to get in and like people literally, <sighs> these teenagers literally killing possessed jocks. I no, thought just one really teenager gets cut in half apparently. <laughs> well, yeah. And it was just like by accident, which I thought was great. Like that was yeah. awesome that like as the rift is opening, he's just on the rift. So it just splits him open. That was great. But like I really expected, like they build up that there's a whole team of jocks and that it was just two of them show up. And so I thought that was a little underwhelming for something I really liked. Like the whole season, I love the idea of the insane jock in movies and like him being possessed or being ridiculous and just being like a bloodied up um, sports jacket is just an aesthetically cool idea. And they didn't do that as much as I wanted to, but I can't fault the season for doing that. In fact, I've even thought of rewatching essentially the final movie of this season and uh, probably seeing my opinion change on it. Uh, but and plus I had a, uh, in strangers things themed alcoholic beverage. So there's probably a bit that I don't quite remember because tequila just hits me hard. So like it was a little much, but it's a, I did find myself going like, this feels like, again, like the low point, the middle point of the, of the story where the, where the lead character falls into the pit and the finale is him climbing out of it. And, uh, that is very much this where it is now going to build up into that. Um, the last thing I'll say before passing it off is I also liked how every season comes with every character coming together and solving a problem. And this season twisted that by saying every character is in their locations very far away. And they all make a point to say they won't get there in time, which is really funny. But then they all find ways to help each other in separate ways. And I love that because I liked the different settings. Now, as opposed to you, I liked all the Russian stuff. And I liked that story. There was only one part where I was like, this is where the it's bloaty. And I think it was when Hopper was telling a bit of his backstory to his uh, Russian friend. But I uh, I liked all that. It was the L in L with Papa stuff that I felt was a little too long. And I even have heard from most other people saying that that's the least interesting stuff to them. Was yeah, L yeah, that, with them. that is also not particularly engaging. Well, it's like, I think the, the issue is that tension, part of tension comes from like being concerned for character safety and at no point do you think L or or Hopper are going to die. Like you just know that they're not going to. And I think that's why like there's a sense of like, okay, like just hurry up. I, I want to see where they, because for me, the, the stuff that's engaging is what happens to the characters. And there's, there is a sense of like, like what's going to happen with Steve Harrington and Nancy Wheeler. Like, are they going to get back together? Like right. their drama is they don't have to die. They just don't end yeah. up together. And that's sad. That's, yeah. I'm worried about that. And, they have raised the stakes enough, but they've set a precedent where every season a character dies that you don't want to die, possibly even more because it's always a fan favorite. It it's always is, a fan it favorite. It is the curse to the point where Catherine was actually just mad. Like she was just mad that uh, Eddie dies. And it's just like, it's just so, it was almost annoying to have it happen again. And I wonder if they're aware of like, uh, yeah, maybe we can't, we well, should do that. That's why they also like just absolutely jacked up the character. <laughs> Because I don't. Think, How do you mean? Like they had they ex- him have his scene and stuff well, no, like, like that. Well, no, like Max. Or? Oh yeah. Well, well yeah. <laughs> or like I wonder if like mm, kind of raise the stakes a bit, baby. So and then Papa also dies, which I don't know if I, I didn't expect that, or just he's such a minor character to me that I wasn't particularly worried about what happened to him. Uh, they but yeah, had so to like, kill him on screen because when you kill someone off screen, they can always come back. But this is also a world where characters can kind of 
Well, they kind of give Eleven uh, force powers to revive somebody in a way. Well, whether or not revive, that annoyed me a little bit. Yeah, I think there's a theory of like she could just be doing causing heart palpitations so they come back to life because she can control the body. So there's there's ways in which it works, but and um, and like she didn't like restore Max to where she was. Max is still like in the hospital, blind, and her limbs got cracked. So you know, there's still which is great. That's that's good stuff. You get to have your actors stick around and still act. Yeah, and there's still clearly there's a um a plane of the mind where characters interact with so she can still come into the scenes and doesn't always have to be in a wheelchair or something in the future. Of course, I have theories for how that's going to handle be yeah, well, next season. But um, but yeah, yeah, what, yeah, you were you were saying stuff. Yeah, like what I'm saying is like like I'm I'm engaged or I want to know more about what's up with Vecna. I want to know more about like the plan that's going on. I'm worried about what's going to happen in their venture. Like there is the good, especially I, I hate the trope. I there is that element where you're waiting for the shoe to drop in terms of like the angry mob. How are they going to interfere with the plans? Are they going to mess up the big going into the upside down plan? So there's like actual drama there versus like, I assume that all the characters in Russia would come back at some point. So I wasn't really worried about what happened to them. I assume that L is going to leave the facility with her powers at some point. So I'm not really worried about either of those things that are happening. And so at a certain point you hit it while the, it's nice to see, you know, Hopper and, and Mrs. Wheeler, uh, not Mrs. Wheeler. Uh, why not a writer and Hopper to kiss? And it's good to see them become a couple. That's nice stuff. And I like really like Brett Gellman. He's like one of my favorite characters in the show. Cause he's so um, ridiculous. Like mm-hmm. at a certain point, you're just like, okay, I know it's going to happen. This is a long, like it's two and a half hours. Just, cut it like get to the stuff that i want to care about like get back to to um this poor small town where everything goes horribly wrong all the time and what's up with vecna and stuff so i'm sure like i'm sure there's somebody there's some big hopper stand out there who loved it but it wasn't not me unfortunately hey there it's your friendly neighborhood call to action just checking in on you hope you're doing all right I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout out with a thumbs up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that too. Wait, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S. and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted, I thought this was like a hobby thing. You it's want me to... expand cinematic doctrine. You know right, this already. Right, right, right. Yeah, I, <laughs> I forgot. I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, cinematic doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can gain access to early uncut episodes of the podcast. Oh, and did I mention you get to tell us what to do? That's right. Each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Anyways, I gotta run. So, I'll see you guys later. I just didn't... I 
for me, it's I just don't want the show to end. Like even That's season true. five, it's like I just want it to keep going. Yeah, like this should be just every month a new episode comes out. <laughs> at this point, they could just keep working. Why not? Just let them do it. Um, I'm excited for a season five, and frankly, like it's to a point where if it's unless the Duffer Brothers are really confident about ending it, which is safe. Like you don't you don't kill a show by keep. They're going. going to start writing the next season in August, apparently. Yeah, and they have a bit set up. Also, I've read that the way they write is they sit across from each other on different laptops with the same Google document open, and they just write together at the Absolute same time. <laughs> yeah, and so like there was, I think like Shyamalan was talking about like I don't know how they do it. They're nuts. It must be a twin thing or something like that, which is really funny. But but you can see that they would balance off each other, probably talk to each other about ideas, backspace each other, saying nope, not a, like whatever. There's and I. I am positive part I of what makes my mind work. If I was writing somebody and someone just started at backspacing and deleting what I had written. I would like break my laptop in half. <laughs> it'd be, it'd be a good way to balance out though, from keeping bad ideas from happening. Like I'm positive part of what makes the show work and they have creativity is they can refine each other off, off of what they're doing. Plus um, I think it's Matt Duffer is married to, Lay Janik, who did the Fear Street movies. So obviously they're all content creators in some way. They're all writers. They all like to work with each other. So they all probably balance each other. I'm, I'm sure Lay Janik, I mean, she's not getting credits, but I'm sure she's helping them refine stuff as well. Um, Fear Street's okay. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think the season's good. I think it's definitely the best since season one. But I also really like season three. And after season two, rewatching it i also quite like a decent amount of season two i just think they have great characters um even um just like they just do such a good job of making everything very satisfactory and emotionally powerful even though other times it does feel like a bloated show but i know one of the things people talked about with season one all the time is it's like a novel there's so much going on and it all feels good and as someone who likes reading stephen king stuff too like they are bloated, but because it's well-written, you really want to keep hearing about these characters. You don't want it to end. And that's that's good. You've captured my attention, and you've captured the attention of everybody else. In terms of Netflix content, I think the fact that it's TV 14 really helps out the show. Um, I, of course, proposed my mom horror theory with, with this episode's uh, the previous episode on seasons one through three, that that gets even more attention, because if your mom watches it, then you're cool to watch it, too. Um, and uh, for families, I mean, and so uh, I think if Netflix wanted to be more, I don't know, secure their stock a little more, they probably produce more TV 14 content. I mean, you are watching people get eviscerated and ripped apart. You can have adult themed content in your TV 14 series. Just don't have any crazy sex stuff going on and you can make a show more popular and marketable. I'm positive. That's why stuff like the Witcher isn't as popular. And like, I don't see people wearing Witcher merch. I don't see people buying stuff like that. Uh, and if they are, they're buying it at GameStop because they like the games and even the games are really mature. So I, uh, I, I feel like, I feel like Netflix is able to ha they, they have the thing that can take off and they just don't. I mean, even I am not okay with this was partially produced by, I think the Duffer brothers, I think they had some oversight, or at least Sean Levy probably had a little, but that is TVMA. And like part of why it got canceled is a mixture of COVID and also it just didn't get enough plays. And so I don't know, but also kids are watching crazy stuff these days. So I, what am I talking mm -hmm. about? Um, 
I mean, they're watch. They're not even watching Netflix. They're watching TikTok at this point. And if they're watching Stranger Things, it's because of TikTok. So, whatever. I mean, they're watching Inside because of TikTok at this point. So, uh, Bo Burnham Inside and, and the Inside Outtakes because of TikTok. But uh, all in all, what ha- are you? I mean, you said you liked the season a lot. Um, I did. What, I did. What do you think? Uh, before I guess we get into recommendations and just uh, really, frankly, not just. Not recommendation. Sorry, recommending. Would we recommend Stranger Things? Which I guess we do. Well, but really, theories for season five. How, how do you step away from the season? Also, how do you step away from the fact that every episode's over an hour long? And uh, if it, it that. I, you can get away, if it's good, you can get away with it. And yes. obviously, like when the new these two new episodes came out, it crashed Netflix when people were trying to watch it. So it, my it, streaming quality was like artifacting on on the episode for papa for the piggyback the final episode it wasn't artifacting that much but for papa it was artifacting a lot probably because it was so light there were a lot of light scenes but yeah crash netflix like you said so yeah they have a hit on their hands and people obviously responding well to it so they weren't turned off by the length of the previous episodes so and i yeah i think as long as you have enough story and you have enough um and it's fitting what you're trying to do i think length isn't isn't really an issue if it's good it's can it can't never be long enough if it's bad it's just 20 minutes too long so i'm i don't mind the length you know i know we've complained about it previously for like how the every Batman blockbuster movie comes out is three hours and yeah how netflix in general ran into a problem where like initially what, what was initially a good initiative where they would be um artist driven and they, they wouldn't have put restrictions on writers and stuff. And he's had to worry about commercials or hitting times for time slots. They could just make whatever they wanted. Well, that's initially good. If everyone involved is a true artiste who knows what they're doing when it gets bad, it becomes self-indulgent. However, I think the Duffer brothers and all the people that bring on to write and direct and stuff have a good sense of what they're doing, where they had three seasons to really get a handle on these characters and the story. And so as we see, like, despite two and a half hours it yeah you're right it feels like a midpoint it ends on this massive cliffhanger where it feels like it's gearing up to go into something else so like so the length i the length in this case doesn't bother me because it also has a sense of like forward momentum like you feel like you're heading towards something big the whole time so you're just constantly waiting for the next thing and you don't want it to end because you just want more because it's good so i i i was a doubter i i really doubted them at first uh, but I really was um, I was really impressed by the end. Now, obviously, the big one of the big things coming out for Stranger Things is the music running up that hill hit number one on the charts. And actually, Netflix put out Spotify playlists, uh, which would tell you what songs would save you from Vecna. Did you did you see this? I didn't check into it, but it's like I can just search it right like a, right now. So I'm just, what's I'm the playlist? I have to search for and it just tells you right now for everyone it's called upside down playlist upside down playlist discover your personal playlist yeah some of these songs would work i'm surprised because the one i would pick the one i would pick is purity by asap rock rocky um and uh what's so i'm just gonna i'm just gonna share a few songs on my playlist and embarrass myself for the world uh fox's dream of the log flume by me without you curses by the crane wives and there's like the songs they put in here from the show. So like Rocky, like a hurricane with scorpions and you spin me round by dead or alive is on here. Uh, Master puff is from Metallica is on there. But, <laughs> nice. Uh, from I'm sure show. that's on everybody's now. Though. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah, I have serpents, my neck deep. Uh, some of these are so embarrassing. Ugh, I don't know if I want to share some of these. <laughs> what? Yeah, 104 Degrees by Slaughter Beach, Dog. Slaughter Beach's Dog's Passenger good. by Deftones. Yeah. A Boy Brushed Red Living in Black and White <laughs> Under Oath. <laughs> Heck yeah. <laughs> the Medic. Are, are you even Foxing. allowed to listen to them anymore? Are you, <laughs> you allowed to? The one I the one I proposed isn't even on this. Let me let me same like my God only knows where the Beach Boys and Sledgehammer Peter Gabriel are, yeah. are on here. For Purity me. featuring Frank Ocean, ASAP Rocky, and Frank Ocean. That one that song gets me every time. That would totally save me from Vecna. It's not even on here. Yeah, I have Cheesin uh, by Cautious Clay, Remy Wolf, uh, Still Woozy, Nobody Like You from Four Town. Apparently, I listened to that enough to be on here. <laughs> Just <good>. that was <laughs> that is embarrassing. VV Violence by Jesse Lanza. Love that one. Spray and Pray by Quell Chris. Uh, love that song. Uh, some Queens of the Stone Age is on here. That's nice. Ooh, That's what good. song? Uh, Fortress. I, I think okay. all of their album covers are just great. Uh, Sands the first one, I guess. But that's just a man in drag. So I guess, whatever. I don't mind that. Uh, but uh, JPEG Mafia is on here. Curb Stomp. Uh, Warping by Death Grips. <laughs> Now that would definitely save me I, from I, that. I've seen footage <laughs> on mine. So, Human Behavior by Bjork. Uh, Bjork is great. So that's good. Yeah by LCD Sound System. Oh, Never Meant by American Football. That makes sense. That's a good song. Uh, Circus Ride. What's good? Tyler Creator. <laughs> I do have um, No Love Deep Web is on here. Not the song, but <laughs> that one is on here. Uh, Set and Death, Quell Chris and Chris Keys. Of course, that one. That makes total sense. I really like that song. Yeah, these aren't bad. These aren't bad. But it's really just showing me recent songs. And I have a work playlist from for that me and my coworkers have curated for work that we'll plug in our phone and play. And so there's they're just not even necessarily songs I listen to that are just listed here because they're just what play on the radio and and end up coming up. But obviously everyone's contains running up that hill and master puppets. Right. There's right. no way that those uh, won't be on here. I'll say the number one song, both times I've checked this playlist, because actually it's different from the last time I, I checked it. But then both times was uh Baron Stain by the band Camino was my number one, which um if anyone wants to listen to that, I actually feel like that'd be fitting of that scene where like where Max is getting lifted in the air and stuff. So if you want an air- interactive moment with our playlist, play that song. And watch that scene. Can we share our versions of it? Is that possible? Or if I shared a link, would it just go to yours? I don't know. Yeah, I feel like if you clicked on the playlist, it would just go. I got uh, Up in Hudson by Dirty Projectors. But like, there's some weird one. Like, What's My Age Again? But Blink-182 is in mine. And I have not listened to that song in like 10 like years. I don't listen to What's My Age Again. Yeah, I have Justice on here. Waters of Nazareth. I don't listen to Justice. Some gone I've Away listened, by The Offspring. I've listened to Justice, but... It's not girls by Beastie Boys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I got circles by Pierce the Veil. I never listened to Beastie Boys, so whatever. I wonder. Yeah, I wonder if some of these are like they looked at your algorithm or something, and they just made some guesses. Like I like the Gorillas, but Ascension by the Gorillas featuring Vince Staples is on here, which is not a bad song, but it's not like my favorite. Gorillas if it's song from humans, it. though, it's not good. <laughs> it's just a fact about humans. Just a bad album. Just bad. But I think that album has moments. Uh, Gorillaz is a really hit or miss band in general. I like their first, all their albums up to Humans, I I just am totally into. And then Humans hits. 
And it's just a massive drop off. Even the now, now I like a couple songs on it, but I don't put it on for pleasure. I like their space monkeys album. I've listened to that way more than any other albums combined. Maybe not. Maybe plastic beach competes with it, but space monkeys, the dub remixes of the first album. Love it. And then humans hits and I'm just, I'm, I'm out. I remember listening to it once entirely. And I was like, there's that one song at the end. It's something like, uh, you know, we can do it. If we try, we could do it and we'll do it. Cause we said that we do it. And I'm like, what? Who wrote this? <laughs> I, this is like the quality of the lyrics is just horrible compared to all the other stuff that they've had up to then. And I just, I was dumbfounded. I cannot stand it. I think the album art is super cool. And now it looks horrible to me. Cause I think the album itself is bad. But so Vecna, take me away if that comes on. I'm dead. <laughs> I have died, and I have be- I have joined your power. Sharia running into the arms of Vecna. Yeah, this would make me turn around. Actually, humans exist. Never mind. I'm coming back. <laughs> Vecna, you got me. But uh, what do you have for theories for season five? Because I feel like this this season cultivates plenty of theories for what's uh, what's available to happen next. I have a couple, but I'm curious what you have in mind. Ooh, um, great question. I think we might have one or two episodes of build up where we'll see everyone getting ready, gearing up, saying goodbyes. And I think a decent chunk of the season will take place in the upside down. I don't mean the whole season. I, but I do mean, I think, I think we'll get at least one or two solid episodes that are just in the upside down. Um, and I, I would really like it. And I don't, I'm not saying this will happen, but I would really like it if there is sort of a, not third act twist, but if something happens midway through that kind of really resets the status quo. And then there's like one or two episodes where they're trying to like pick up the pieces from that. And then there's a big penultimate episode where, um, L really just absolutely destroys Vecna or something. I just, I feel like the upside down is unexplored kind of as a location. I think it's good as it keeps it shrouded in mystery and it's threatening and scary. And when characters find themselves upside down, it's like really bad and all that stuff. But I think if season five is kind of the last season, at least for a while, I would really like it if we finally get to really dig deep into the upside down as a location. Cause it's lots of cool stuff you could do with it because we've seen everything from, it's just an alternate dimension to it's almost like a nightmare reality where people experience and see like their deepest, darkest fears and you know that sort of thing so i think really like digging into that might be interesting cool so my actual theory theory like i genuinely think it's gonna happen is i think we're gonna see more of the upside down as a location and it's gonna we're gonna see some a lot of action take place there but what i would like to see is an exploration of that slash like l l and and um vecna really fight and they rip a hole in time and space and it causes something weird to happen in the last third of the season like i think that'd be really cool but because they they reference Stephen King a lot, like they really clearly like Stephen King. There's lots of elements of his storytelling in the show, yes. and even in this last season, someone's just reading from the Dark Tower or something, uh, right? Lucas is reading from Stephen King novel to Max in the hospital, yes. and in classic Stephen King fashion, something really ridiculous happens in the last third of the story. Uh, so I'd like to see that. But. Yeah, I. Uh... I remember when reading a pitch that they had for season one, they said to Netflix, it would be like if Steven Spielberg directed a long lost, never released Stephen King novel or something like that. That really and, is what it feels like. So. And the whole show. Yeah, it, it's definitely like that. Um, I suspect 
a couple things. I have like, I think it was three in my mind that were theories. I suspect Max will come back, but be a villain. Like Vecna might oh, okay. use well, her body. body yeah. yeah. Um, I think that would be really cool. I think what would be cool there too, is you get to see Sadie Sink perform in a way that she hasn't yet, which is villainous. I think that could be really cool. She wasn't, she wasn't really villainous in fear street, the second one. So, um, it'd be fun to see her do just, I, I just like seeing actors do things they haven't done or I haven't seen them do yet. So I think that would be really fun. Plus the, the pairing of, uh, the drama com- combined in that would be extremely cool. This constant idea of like, is she okay? Or is she not okay? Um, can we save her? Can we not save her? If Vecna is, will she just always be in a vegetated state alive or is she alive only when Vecna is a part of her or something like that? I think that could be cool. Um, I think maybe even having one of these characters, cause like will has a power too. will can sense when stuff is going on. So obviously other characters have the potential for powers. So max having powers could be kind of cool in that way. Um, and, uh, but being yeah, a villain. So you get to have third be There's just so much drama that can, be built out of that, where instead of L fighting Vecna, it's L fighting Max. And uh, these people have telekinetic powers. They don't have to throw each other around. They could just put their powers inside the person and spread it, <laughs> and it just rips these people apart. So there's some really cool sequences that can happen and a lot of threat and, and fear that moves forward. Um, if you ever want characters to feel like they're at risk of dying, you make characters fight each other, not fight the villain. So that that could be really fun. Uh, I think I actually said like, since each season has like different forms of like, they, 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 they take an idea from another movie or a classic thing and then make it into their own version. So like this one really being in a nightmare on Elm street thing, um, the next movie or next season could be almost like a post-apocalyptic style movie where Hawkins is just this horrible place to live that people are staying in. But it's like now the upside down is really encroaching on pockets on earth and so you could have i could be i wouldn't be surprised if they went real crazy and it would be potentially a horrible idea but if it was a time skip and it's just the world is just horrible now because there's demogorgons there i don't know something silly but obviously the portal is big enough that this could be uh anything where it's like this is a zone like escape from new york where it's just this one area is unlivable and uninhabitable and horrible for humanity but the rest of the world is totally normal i think that could be very neat uh and very fun to see and then i think the last idea i had was uh what was it um well i can't remember right now but what do you think about my two ideas like a semi almost post-apocalyptic idea of a setting and then right, also yeah. uh that max would be coming back but as a villain what do you think about that um i like those ideas i don't know i don't know if they'll happen um i'm more sold on the max idea yes the other idea is just kind of cool yeah but the max idea is more interesting because there's more every decision has costs and but benefits and the benefit of her being a villain or used as a villain has so many more benefits. The cost is you don't get to have everyone be happy and <laughs> graduate high <laughs> Who school cares together. About that? Um, but like the, you get to have real emotional scenes that I think would be I really cool. I also could see a situation though where Max is a really important figure in beating Vecna. Like maybe not Vax, uh, maybe not Max is Vax for short. Uh, maybe Max isn't necessarily possessed by Vecna, but Max becomes almost like a Professor X type 
figure where like she helps them fight him, but she has to die in the process. And she reads him. comics. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I, I said uh, to Catherine, it's maybe they'll out themselves as Homestucks, the Duffer brothers, because what will happen is <laughs> like, Max dies. the universe where they drink Fago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Find the Vagabond. He's such a good character. But um, where in, in Homestuck, there's like a dream world you literally live in. And then there's the, the living world. You literally live in. And just because you die in one of them doesn't mean you die in the other. It just means you're permanently awake in the other. And so there's a part where one character dies in the dream world. And now they're just alive in the human world, uh, the physical world all the time. And they could totally do something like that where because they've they've confirmed there's like not just the upside down, but your consciousness at this point. So there are three worlds we can play around in that all have physical consequences. But the I, my thought though is that like okay Max is dead but she still has her consciousness Max is 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 mostly dead as as uh, people know but there's the there's two planes that are extra which is the upside down but you physically travel to but there's also this mental plane and so I there's still stuff for the future but yes I I am more or less sold on the idea that she's a villain in the future or used as a villain puppeteered and uh, but uh the 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 hawkins being unlivable idea i think is really exciting yeah. um but i really like i i had in my mind that like a finale is everyone graduates the season two ending resolution is yeah. one of the best they play, don't the you forget about me and yeah, say all something like, cute yeah. and then you know 10 years later they have a reunion season and like things are bad again it's like it's literally oh, the stephen king's it, it episode <laughs> Yeah, and like they start the show with, or the trailer is the "Don't You Forget About Me" song, but played on piano, just like the the nostalgia piano. That's gonna be terrible. <laughs> You're like, I'm is this Ghostbusters Afterlife Two? Like, no, <laughs> yeah. it's it's strange. I was thinking about seven. that trailer again, and how when we did our trailer talk, you were talking about like how they build it up, like the Ecto One is the Millennium Falcon, like, <laughs> yeah. but it's like the joke is that it's horrible. It's a hearse with a horrible noise. It sounds like a dying cat. Yeah. And like nobody understands that, but have, have but you seen um have you seen Gravity Falls? I haven't I haven't watched it in a long time, but I only caught a couple episodes. I want to uh, check it out. One of my favorite shows, but yeah, the finale of that is called Weird Mageddon. And like the whole time that the Stranger Things season four last episode, giant earthquake, things are getting ripped up. It's very similar to what happens in Gravity Falls. And like, yeah, the last like four episodes is kind of like a pseudo Mad Max kind of parody where like they're all like it is a post-politic world. There's all of the characters in the show have joined random factions and they're all scavenging for parts and trying to survive. And I do think something like that with Stranger Things because Stranger Things does have a big cast of established characters. We need stuff for them to do. Yeah. So like, can you imagine like Lucas's little sister leading a pack of Ravagers or something like the Patriots? Yeah. yeah. I mean, she, she's <laughs> the Hellfire so cool. club is like ha- actually up and running and, and, and they are thriving because it's D and D in real life, you know, yeah, or whatever gangs and stuff um, like that could be really fun. But yeah, there's, like there's a lot of cool stuff that can come in the next season. Well, it depends what things but, the Duffer Brothers are reading right now. You know, are they reading, yes. <laughs> reading a lot of post-apocalyptic literature? Yeah, you can do some stuff. Oh, I I wonder if there's going to be another big bad behind Beckna. Like in the back of my head, I'm worried that they'll do something like that. But like, he turns out he's been like utilizing some power beyond his comprehension, and it destroys him. And then there's just some big Final Fantasy. You mean boss. they pull a Marvel Netflix series where halfway into the show he dies, and another bad guy yeah. shows up? It's just, it's just, it's just a Diamondback from, yeah, from Luke Cage. I was thinking the, the exact same, same goofy thing. costume. Yeah. <laughs> yes, please. That'd be awesome. That'd be We're so selling awesome. drugs. Yeah, <laughs> that's all he wants to do is use the upside down. Yeah. But it, it could be like an intergang. Um, 
dark side thing where Vecna has been <laughs> coercing with the powers, dark mysterious forces. And there's really not a character other than but Vecna the mayor powers. or the governor that hasn't come back in some fashion. Season three, uh, I forget his name. I forget the actor's name, but he's um, he's in Princess Bride. That guy. He's the mayor. Do you remember him? Wallace Shawn? No, he no, he's um he's the Dread Pirate Roberts and see in Princess Bride. What's his name? Wesley. I forget the actor's name. Oh, Carrie Elways. Yeah, this? he's in season three and he just doesn't come back in season four. They don't bring back the mayor. But I huh. say that because they usually bring back characters. They give them more to do. And in season four, the last time you see the Russian and the other guy is when they have their conversation about um you know, you used to be a great hero. Where's that guy? And then he fixes the helicopter and comes back. And I'm sure season three episode, I'm sorry, season four, episode nine was two and a half hours. It's actually, I think two and hour, two hours and 20 minutes. Um, I'm sure it was 10 minutes longer because we actually don't get a resolution to those characters. Um, we don't see them land when Hopper arrives. It's just, they go to the cabin, Hopper comes home, hugs L and then the, f- the final shot, uh, over Hawkins is there. Um, so maybe they'll come back and there'll be more hmm. scenes with them. I don't know. But it's clear that that episode definitely got trimmed a little bit. They they had to trim as much as they could. Because um, even though it's two and a half hours and it's paced extremely well, to the point that I didn't even want to know where we were in the episode when I had to go to the bathroom. I paused it and put my head down to walk past the television because I didn't want to see what, where we were. Um, it is long and it has a lot of content. But yeah, I... I, mean, I, w- I would hate to not have those characters get any scenes in the future because they're pretty cool. Um, and I, I don't know how they'd be involved, but if they do a post-apocalyptic style Hawkins where it's just, we have to stay here because this is where we fight the, the upside down. I don't know. But in response to your idea that they'll spend more time in the upside down, my assumption is that the implication is the upside down is now going to encroach on Hawkins. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, like, I'm kind of hedging my bets with that with that description because there's different ways that that could technically yeah, be true. In, um, in um, StarCraft, the Zerg alien race to build uh, it's a video game to build their buildings. You have to build it on creep, and you have to keep expanding creep across the map to build it. StarCraft Two creep is actually beneficial to expand on the map because your units move quicker. I was ex- I'm expecting in season five there will be creep from the upside down. The The vines will be traveling across. And like at this point, I mean, Chris Starin, friend of the podcast, has been on a couple episodes. In season three is like, I don't know how no one knows about what's going on. I just don't know how <laughs> they keep hiding it. And yeah. even in season four at the end, they're like, an earthquake hit. It's just like, I guess, yeah, but earthquakes don't glow. So it's like. Also, are, and, they, on a, are they even on like a fault line or anything? Like, plus, what? they canonize that if you were on the fault line of the earthquake, you melted. And so like, yeah, they, this, like they show it going through stuff. people's homes, yeah. right? So it's not like someone had to survive and see someone melt. So like. Um, I'm sure season five will introduce more stuff. We don't see the, um, po- the, um, the bad guy for the military. We don't see him after Papa, this episode with Papa. So he'll probably be a moving force moving forward. Yeah. And he'll be, the, he'll be chasing them as they try and go to the upside down or whatever. Which will be great. Cause yeah. we get to see 11 kill more people. I mean, they've really established that. No, you're not going to see 11 be in high school because she is dangerous to everybody. <laughs> she is a brat. She cannot be handled. Um, which I, hope, I wish there was more of that. Yeah. Frankly. I, I want to see her I, in community college or she goes to a fancy art school where everyone just accepts her. 
Like, I would not have mind if they did the Netflix problem of this season being 15 episodes and it goes too long if they had more high school stuff. Because I really would have enjoyed more of Eleven. Like, that is, other than Vecna and, and Max, that is the most stressful stuff in the season, is her being in high school, being at risk of killing people that don't know that she's super dangerous. Um, so, who knows? But season five, I mean, they're never going back to that stuff. If you wanted normal teenage stuff, that was season three's episode one and two. And then if you wanted Stephen King-esque teenage stuff, that was season four, episode one and two. Yeah. But, I, Stranger yeah. Things is interesting. I don't, I don't even know if I call it a problem, but the uh, there, there's this, there's two sides to Stranger Things where you have a very grounded coming-of-age drama stuff, which is really fun. Like, I like the kids trying to hide Elle in their basement while they also play D&D. Like, that stuff is always fun to me. And I really liked the prospect of more, yeah, more Elle in high school, more of the kids just having awkward girl problems. And then there's just big story behind them. But also the story just naturally beckons them towards big epic showdowns and moments and events where their lives are changed forever because people are dying and stuff. But I also would like to see more slice of life. What is life like when your girlfriend is a secret like MK Ultra like being that can fight monsters together? And they they do actually do a good job handling that. Where there's that great moment where Mike is like, "You're my superhero," and blah blah. That stuff's cute. I feel like Mike as a character has really fallen off, or he's just <laughs> L's girlfriend boyfriend. That's his character now. Like he's yeah, not. Catherine Mike. said, "If you ever talk to someone and someone says Mike's their favorite character." you can assume that they don't watch stranger things. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's, he, he is a pretty, he is kind He's of the, the co-main character in seasons one and, and stuff. But as the show goes on, he just fades further for the background. Cause his function as a character gets reduced where you don't need a normal person for L to hang out with anymore because L is mostly adjusted and can hang out with everyone now. But like, I think it would be fun to see them in college <laughs> where, where like they like or something like I, I like I would like more slice of life stuff because that stuff is really charming and fun to me. But the story naturally keeps moving away from that. So that's why I actually really like your pitch of like a it style, like flash forward. And yeah, who knows, be- if they wait, they could just do it with the same actors. Yeah. At this point, they could just just get old anyway. Um, it's like Millie Bobby Brown is going to be a star after this. So, oh, you know, 100 percent. Um, she's really, really the other actors. I'm not so much. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little worried about them, but like the guy playing Lucas is really good. He's really, he gets really good to well, show off his acting Noah Schnapp here. is fantastic. Everyone's really good. Noah Schnapp is just actually crying. Like, uh, yeah. just, like this, the show, I have one more season that I don't know what I'm going to do, <laughs> but uh, she, he, he's going to be totally fine. I, yeah, and a I lot think, of them um, perform on, on Broadway and stuff. Gadam Matarazzo is going to be in the next, uh, run of dear evan hansen which i texted dan <laughs> saying no this is the worst ending uh, <laughs> but, no. but he's busy Vecna, what have you done uh and he also has another movie coming up with uh what is her name i'm gonna find this on imdb right now for you guys um we we recognize her and andrew rice i think is her name who is in the nice guys she's the daughter uh obviously obviously um steve and nancy's actors are gonna go on to do stuff after this but. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Steve's already doing a lot. Nancy was in an indie film. Uh, and so Joe Curie's like 30 already, but he still has got baby face. So he'll be in plenty of teenage flicks all the time for a while. But <laughs> well, I, I love him. I think he's fantastic. Yeah. He's great again, in the show. He's great in Spree. Please go watch Spree. It's a good movie. If, yeah. if they do a flash forward, yeah, all the actors can just come back because Joe Curie could just be like, I'm 30 now, you know, and it's, 
That's just his age. Same with Natalie Dyer. They can even make jokes about how he just looks the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. They'll never have as good casting as It Chapter 2, where everybody literally looks like their counterpart. It's unbelievable. Speaking of which, uh, Finn Wolfhard is in It, so I don't know if he'd be down to do the same movie again, basically. But Yeah. But Vecna's his- back. We all promised to come back to Hawkins. Something like that. But it, it, Stranger Things is huge. So, like, I, I don't... I, I, Yeah, like, I'm sure everyone wants to move on to this thing, but it's also, like... It's huge, but it's huge not in like the Star Wars. Everyone knows about it, but everyone has mixed feelings about it. And also the actors. <laughs> and everyone hates it. it. Uh, it's insert like, more complaints about Obi-Wan. Man, yeah. is it bad, guys. It's <laughs> it's bad. I ha- There are scenes I really like in it, and they're mostly in the last episode. Uh, but it is really terrible. Um, but yeah, Stranger Things is sort of this thing where everyone likes it. But, you know, funnily enough, it did not get more plays than Squid Game did in its first in its first month. Uh, season four, well, which is why they're doing more squid games, which yes. kind of feels yeah, weird. I don't know how I feel about that, but, uh, but yeah, it's beloved stranger things is it's everything you want on a big franchise. Like it's Netflix obviously can be happier. It's why they're doing whatever the Duffer brothers want. And they look, you want to make an episode of two and a half hours, go for it, whatever. Um, so I, I can imagine the actors probably love it too, because it's the thing that made them all famous, right? Like it's not, and not in like a, twilight way where it kind of destroys some of the main actors personal lives like people just love stranger things so i don't know i obviously i'm I'm not breaking i'm not like breaking the internet by saying i want more stranger things in the future but i i i appreciate so far how stranger things also isn't afraid to just do newer things like they 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 keep expanding the lore in a way that feels natural they're not just doing the same thing over and over again for the most part which it was cool that vecna was just a new villain that was almost like this, this of all seasons felt the most adjacent to the main storyline, but it also and, ties everything together. Nicely. And then it ties together. And, yeah. and that's what you want. Like you want sequels to be adjacent and then be brought in, in some way that, that satisfies um, without it being overcrowding or contradictory. And again, they do the thing where it's a mystery that you learn stuff, but you have more questions at the end, which the the best ending would be season five. And it's just more questions and we just sit on them. Now, I think the last thing to talk about would really be what do we know about a spinoff? Do, is there, I know that there, there's no secret behind the fact that they are working on a spinoff in some way. I'm sure the Duffer brothers will help kick it off, but not be involved with it. But do we know anything beyond there will be a spinoff show? Like what do we even know actors that they have pitched for that? Like what, what do we know know anything? That's a guy I've, I've heard not anything really about it. So I wouldn't surprise me. I think once I think we'll get, I think once season five hits, I think we'll get a better feel for that where, because imagine if all the scenarios we're pitching don't happen, right? All the actors decide they want to move on to their projects, but they still want to keep the stranger things they want the goose to keep laying golden eggs. So I could see them doing and a thing I want like, more. Yeah. I mean, it's, I it's, a, it's, there's so many avenues you could take too. like, you could do like just other, like number three, <laughs> you know, whoever number three is there, the new start of the show. Um, or you could do a thing where if they made it out. <laughs> they yeah. made it out alive. <laughs> or they could be like the born, the fourth born movie. where like, there was never just one, you know, it's <laughs> just another site of psychic kids or something like Treadstone or whatever. Yeah. Um, you could do it. You could coerce some of the actors back for one episode where they set up a spinoff where it's like, L has a kid that also has powers or something, you know, 
Mm-hmm. There's stuff you could do. Like there's lots of there's lots of and you could again because it's it's a franchise that lives and breathes uh, tropes and co- inspiration. They could be like, oh, we got inspiration from this Stephen King thing or this beloved sci-fi franchise. You Just a car again. comes to life and it tries to kill people. <laughs> now that's what I want. That'd yeah. be cool. L becomes a clown <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> I mean that. Yeah. Well. Here's to hoping that the next fan favorite doesn't die because that would just be really annoying. That's just Steve that. Harrington. Yeah, Steve Harrington is probably not going to make it to the end of the next season, but I hope he does. Um, there, it, it's such a balance to kill characters. You have to kill characters that are satisfying to see die. Catherine saw Jonathan Byers was going to go, but I was like, it just wouldn't make sense. Like narratively in this season, it doesn't really work because he's not with the team and they haven't really had him do much heart to hearts and stuff. So it just wouldn't work. Um, but then also like, I wouldn't want to watch Steve Harrington die this season. Cause I feel like he has so much stuff that he hasn't had come together yet. And this show isn't like a game of Thrones where that's the point, right? Like characters die and it's just random. And that's kind of the, what makes death so miserable. Um, it's fiction. You got to build stuff up. It's got to be satisfying. It's got to work. Um, it, Max dying this season would have probably worked, but they saw potential for better narrative satisfaction by having her just become literally paralyzed and blind to a point that it's like one of the most horrifying scenes is her panicking about like, I'm going to die. I don't want to die. Like that's so sad. So yeah. terrible. Uh, but yeah, like I, I, I'm looking forward to it and I'm sure, I'm sure that uh, maybe they'll pull a classic horror where in the next season, the first episode one of the main characters dies i really think that could happen and uh that would totally work for the season it would set the groundwork of everybody is at risk of dying it would set the it would break the precedent of if you're a favorite <laughs> opening new, of the episode just lucas gets murdered as does dustin by max for, by oh, yeah, an yeah. evil max and that would be and that would be the reveal that max has is to the kill villain. max Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Well, that would be the payoff, but it would be maybe Max is normal and nobody knows why, but these, oh, these characters oh, are so used to it. <laughs> right. And then out of nowhere, just when Max and Lucas are together on a date or something, like just out of nowhere, Max kills them. Like something like that would just <laughs> oh, yeah. shock and it would be crazy. And it would be what you talk about. It would be the thing that gets you to the next episode. I mean, it would be great. Um, it would be terrifying, terrifying. And these hours, these episodes are an hour and a half. Season five is probably going to be two hour episodes every episode. So you would have two more hours with Lucas and Max before this happens. And then out of nowhere, it dies. So give it to me. That sounds great. That's what I'm, I'm locking this in. That's my prediction. Max is going to be a villain next season. If it doesn't happen, Cinematic Doctrine will shut down forever. You will never get another episode because I have embarrassed myself publicly by making a horrible decision. Uh, I don't know. But uh, final, 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 I guess, uh, do you recommend Stranger Things Season 4? <laughs> nah. Nah. Yeah. No, um, it's, uh, yeah. it's overrated. It's uh, no, I really enjoy it. It's one of the few things that, like I mentioned, I think in a previous episode, it actually does live up to the hype. It, it is Consistently. advertised. It's really engaging and fun and cool. It is science fiction. And in a way that's accessible to everyone, it's fantasy, but it's grounded enough where everything feels real and tactile. It is, you get some really great performances. I cannot overstate how shockingly good all the kid actors are and how they all keep evolving their craft to be better adult actors. It is just, it's just really great. It's, 
it's everything you want out of this type of show. It is a fun, exciting show where you get lots of questions keep guess- that keep you guessing. It has constantly evolving mystery that never feels cheap. Like it doesn't feel like they're just stringing you along to keep the tension going. Payoffs are actually satisfying while the mystery continues to develop. It is just a great genre uh, show. I highly recommend it. Yeah, I'm recommending it, obviously, but uh, I I think even though it is copying stuff, there really is nothing like Stranger Things. I'm sure I've said that before, but it is just this show that apart from it also just being a cultural touchstone and like you get to be a part of a conversation, it's just really satisfying to go through and it, it constantly gives you questions. You can pause it whenever you want and just kind of talk with someone about like your expectations and theories. If you can and you haven't seen it yet, uh, which I know we just spoiled everything. But if you can find someone to watch it with who hasn't seen it yet, then I'll say that. It's it's just great. Or if you're recommending it to someone, recommend they watch it with a group of people who haven't seen it, if you can even find anyone. And uh, it's just going to be fun to talk through, figure things out, theorize, explore. Um, it's also just like accessible. It's super easy. It's It carries you through it. It's fun. It's exciting. I think your point about it being, yeah, it has a nostalgia for stuff you may not that for other properties, but it also captures that aspect of nostalgia that's unique to just growing up as all good coming of age stories have. Right, and this right. one very much captures that. Um, and in an age where uh, gas is $5 a gallon, it'll make you want to ride your bike again. So that is, uh, that's always a plus. Uh, this show is supported by Joe Brandon. He uh, loves it because it's uh, helpful for the economy and for the uh, for the environment because you're going to start riding your bike again with all your friends. Just don't fall off like Joe Brandon. That's not good. Um, anyway, Stranger Things Season 4. Really great. Can't wait for Season 5. I am locking in the Max being a villain. Uh, what kind of recommendation do you have for for us do you want to start with your fun one or your not fun christian one uh they're all fun uh i i i love commentaries <laughs> i do love commentaries i'm not recommending commentary this week i'm recommending actually uh table talk magazine uh for those who do not know hey, i got talk, that for a year it's pretty good yeah it's it's put out by league year and i'm finding that like when i do research like one of the first things to do in preparing a lesson or a sermon or small group or whatever is I'll see what Ligonier has for uh, articles about whatever topic I'm going over, as they tend to give really great grounded starting point, uh, bi- biblically-based answers for any question you have. So honestly, if you Google like, oh, sovereignty of God, Ligonier, half the things that will come up will be articles that were originally published in Tabletop Magazine. However, the actual magazine, relatively inexpensive, you can get it via a donation so I was getting it for like a dollar at one point, like so not particularly expensive, but the articles are written by who's who you get Steve Lawson, Sinclair Ferguson, um, the formerly uh, R.C. Sproul, God rest his soul. It's uh, it's just really great. And it, it takes one of the things I love about Table Talk is it's very readable, but also takes these extremely complex, controversial, whatever topics you have. And it puts them in a very easy to understand format, really just bare bones, back to basics, like information you need. Um, or like getting caught in the weeds. Like a lot of the books I've recommended and, and comedies I've recommended do tend to get lost in the weeds on certain topics, uh, particularly like the NICOT um, commentaries, well, pages and pages and pages just about like linguistics and vocabulary. Table Talk Magazine, not so much. Uh, so if you have not already subscribed to it or your uncle didn't, or grandparents didn't get you a subscription at some point, I recommend checking it out. You could probably find a get three issues for a dollar or 
get three issues for free kind of deal somewhere online. If you sign up for Legionnaires emails, they probably will have sent you a deal for table talk at some point. So that is my theologically based recommendation. I'm going to recommend at the end because it's almost like I want to spoiler it as in like, go watch it, whatever, and then describe it later. But okay, what's that? So what, what's your other one you have? Uh, I'm going to recommend for my more entertainment based recommendation is how I'll say it. I'm going to recommend uh, actually, First, I'm going to revisit a previous recommendation slash not recommendation. We covered Archive 81 on the podcast not too long ago, and we talked about how it was based on a podcast. I don't think any of us had actually listened to it. I went and listened to the first season of the Archive 81 podcast, and I got to say, really worth a listen. Um, It's only 10 episodes, and the episodes are all under 20 minutes each. And it really does the things I wanted the show to do more, where more mystery surrounding the building itself. Uh, there's a lot of, there's some things that are taken directly from the podcast that are show up at the show. Like the fact that the guy has a mouse friend, that's something that's in the podcast. Yeah. However, there are some changes that I think really improve it. For example, um, our main character has a girlfriend that the relationship is very strange because he's doing this archiving project. Um, there is no romance between him and the melody character. And it gets less, caught up in that schmaltzy stuff is more mystery based i will also say i listened to the first episode of the second season and it goes in such a bizarre strange direction that's weirder than what the tv show did um that i don't even know if i'll like the next season but the first season's fine but uh i'm going to recommend a podcast called ephemeral have you heard of this podcast melvin what's that uh ephemeral is a podcast based around sort of the archival slash preservation slash discovery of old analog uh, and lost audio and um, uh, media. It's really great. It, they go into the sort of the mysteries surrounding some sort some media and why it's important to um, re- preserve and record things. But more importantly, it goes into the concept of how you remember things and how people are remembered. So they find old records That's pretty cool. of uh, songs that are important to different people groups it goes into uh why people save and record stuff in the first place it's one of those great it's kind of like a 99 invisible it's one of those podcasts that has a very simple premise but it goes into the psychology and the heart of why people do things in the first place that's that it's, really cool it's yeah. really good i i've only listened to the first couple of episodes but it's really great it's a relatively new podcast too so there's so there's like a good like 30 or 40 episodes but not it's not like a thousand episodes you have to go back and listen to so ephemeral so i am going to recommend something that you've it's silly to give it like a a spoiler to like say i'm going to recommend this and go check it out and then then click off the episode and then i'll describe it for anyone who wants to just know because you've probably seen an obscene amount of advertisements for it on youtube but i'm going to recommend the princess on hulu i don't know if you saw this dan it came out like july 1st I don't even know if you know about it. Do you know what I'm talking about? The princess. Hold on. Let me real quick. The princess. Uh, is it a movie? Yes, it's a movie. Came out this uh, year. Actually, two movies called The Princess came out, but this one's on Hulu. Yes, I see it's on Hulu. It's um, okay. Uh all right, so it's the movie on Hulu. Was got a pretty mediocre response from people. <laughs> it's uh, called. It's with Joey King. Yep, Queen Dominic Cooper. So, 
Uh, I'm recommending this movie, and I'm recommending you just kind of go into it blind. All you need to know is it's fun. And uh, that's what I'll say. So if you've heard me say that, just press it in the show notes. Go watch it on Hulu. If you already have it, check oh, it out. Joey King was in, oh, she's in Fargo. Now, oh, for me to explain it, for anyone who stuck around, it is literally just like, a, it's like, it's like it, it knows what it is. It is very silly. And it is a princess is abducted and put in the top of a tower. And then these two guys come in to check on her and she just murders them <laughs> and kills them. And uh, it's super crazy fun action, clearly stunt uh, choreography. Um, Joey King is recorded to have said it done 85 to 90% of her own stunts. Of course, Nicholas Cage also said he did all his stunts in jujitsu and we all know that was a lie. <laughs> so, uh, but at this one, it seems pretty authentic because as you're watching it, you can see her face and it's not like you see someone with a wig trying to act like her. Plus she's also like pretty petite. So you'd have to find some performer the same size, which I guess you can do, but it is very fun. Um, it actually gets bogged down by the fact that they have this un- other story of like uh, it's, I'm not anti-feminist. It's just the women's empowerment story is so silly and so poorly written dialogue that it's just terrible. And it just gets in the way of the fun of the set pieces and violence and action. Um, Aaron White described it as the raid in reverse. Um, Aaron White is from uh, the other podcast, Feel and Film, if you're into that podcast. Uh, he's a really cool guy. His opinions are always pretty good for films. Um, yeah, this movie is just super fun. I found out about it 10 minutes later, put it on and Catherine and I had a really good time and, uh, I almost wish it was more violent, but it's super cool. Uh, the, um, costumes and stuff are really good too. The set set design is really fun. I wish, uh, as the movie progresses, her dress becomes more and more ruined, but I wish there was less scenes of her just ripping it herself. I wish it was just more getting ripped during fights, but I guess they just didn't think to do that. Uh, and this movie has one leg up on the Northmen because they actually put makeup on people's teeth to make it look terrible. And then in the Northmen, Skarsgård's teeth look beautiful. So, uh, which would not be the case for someone like him in that film. So, uh, yeah, definitely check out the princess on Hulu. It's 90 minutes, super quick. You'll be done with it in no time. And, uh, yeah, it's just Joey King. Whenever she has something, I check it out. It's, she's just one of those like B, C, D grade, uh, actors, which I guess I, I never like saying that cause it's just not nice, but all that to say is she's not ending up in super great films. And I think at some point she will, cause she's just really fun. And she definitely has a following cause she's, in, know, she played Ramona Quimby in the Ramona and Beezus movie. <laughs> yes. She's also in the, <laughs> she Conjuring. looks exactly like Ramona Quimby. That's super funny. She's also in uh, conjuring. She apparently has a scene in dark Knight rises. I don't know what she's Talia ghoul, like young Talia ghoul. Of course, she's also in the kissing booth trilogy, which if you have not watched it, please watch it. It is just a lot of fun. <laughs> Those movies are really fun. Uh, she's also in slender man, terrible film. Uh, but anyways, that movie she's in, she's going to be Tally Youngblood in the uglies, uh, movie. Wow. That's really great casting. It's also in wish upon wait, Dever, uglies, um, Dever like the uglies. The, that's the, uh, post-apocalyptic sci-fi, right? Yeah. It's a book series. Yeah. I, my sister read them. She's also in the act, uh, which is pretty darn adult. Just gonna name pretty stuff that Joey King is in, um, bullet train. She's in the lie wish upon classic. It's a good one. But yeah, check out The Princess. That's all I got for you. Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. 
For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once-a-month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Sherlyon, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck. We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.